It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is John Krause. He'll be performing in Bit of Your Time, a retrospective through the last eight years of his career at the Space in Las Vegas this Friday, January 29th at 6 p.m. And the show will also be streamed live. For ticket information, go to thespacelv.com. And John's new song, also called Bit of Your Time, should be available on Spotify by the show date. You can follow John on Instagram at John A. Krause. And John, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You're not a stranger to Las Vegas, are you? I'm not. I have some of my most fond memories, professional and otherwise, in Las Vegas. Tell us a few of those memories, would you? I'd be curious, because I know that you were in Rock sure. of Ages, so that was a, sure, yeah. a show that for a long the, time. That was here. definitely the big one. I'm, so I'm from Los Angeles, and I went to the East Coast for college to study theater, and I worked all over the country, and, but I never really got to come close to home. And even though Vegas is a, you know, about four or five hour drive from LA, it was the closest to home that I had come. And it was also, it marked the first time I played a lead role in an equity show. And for those who don't know, equity is the stage actors union. So I, I played roles here and there. I had done some ensemble work and some bigger things, but this marked a, the biggest show I'd done, the biggest role I'd ever done. And I got my equity card. So I became a a member of the union, which is just a, a really big step in anyone's anyone's career in this industry. So, A, there was that one. B, Las Vegas is notorious for uh, bachelor parties. <laughs> and I had a few friends come through and I just got to tag along. I get to have them come see the show as part, you know, part of the festivities of the week. And I loved being a part of it and kind of being a steward of all that Las Vegas has to offer because it's a tricky place to live because it's so exciting and so much is going on all the time. But, you know, there's also a darker side of Las Vegas. But I think I did a good job of showing all the all the best parts that Vegas has to offer. Well, there's a third side, which is a, the quiet side of Las Vegas for those of us who live right. here on a regular basis, too. So. Right. Henderson, like all the, you know, all the suburbs. It's, Summerlin. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Summerlin. I lived in Summerlin when I was there and it was just beautiful and all the parks and the schools are so good. And it just was a really a great place to live. So you've been traveling around a lot, and I was curious why you chose this particular profession. Because it's funny, a lot of my guests have these biographies that explain everything from when they left the womb to you know, where <laughs> they are today. And John Krause is missing in action in a lot of the earlier bio stuff. So how did you decide right. to start your career? And you could share what you want with us. I know there's probably some stuff. Now, I'm sure there's no dark stuff, but there's it's clearly you've decided not to give out too much information of your early years. So how did you make that momentous decision to go into the stage or on the stage or into show business? Interesting. Yeah, I guess, you know, a lot of people knew they were going to do this from when they left the womb or, or so they say, um, you know, right. they were, they were dancing when they were two. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was late to the game. I, I was really big into sports. My dad is a huge baseball fan huge supporter of the Dodgers and he, he grew up in the Valley of Los Angeles his whole life. So he's just very rooted in, in baseball culture in particular, but he encouraged me to play sports 
particularly baseball in the beginning, but then we, uh, we both kind of discovered volleyball at the same time. And we were just, it was just the way that we bonded. He coached my teams. I did club volleyball. So I played, I actually played in the junior Olympics when I was 13, 14. And I really loved it. I thought maybe I'd go to school for business, follow in my dad's footsteps and become a business man, <laughs> a businessman, and, you know, maybe go for a volleyball scholarship and just kind of do that track. It made sense. But then freshman year of high school, I took a drama 101 class on a whim, also because I thought it would be an easy A. And uh, my teacher thought otherwise. She was, she's now since become one of the most important people in my life. She was encouraging from day one. She saw that kind of the spark for um, creativity and expression that I never really got to have anywhere else. And from there, I started, I didn't realize there was no world of art really uh, that I was exposed to before that. So when I experienced that release of creative energy, I realized this is where I want to put all my focus and my energy and whatever talent I have, I want to foster it. So I, I started taking voice lessons. I, um, I quit. I was playing. I was the varsity setter for my volleyball team in freshman year. And uh, I quit. And my te- I actually had to sit down with my teacher, who was the coach. She was also my Spanish teacher. And tell him that I wasn't going to do it anymore because I just there's something in me that said, like, this is the path. And, I, you know, it's maybe the foolhardiness of a kid. But <laughs> right. But I, I felt the pull. And from then on, I, you know, I joined the choir at church. I started taking guitar lessons. And I just really dove headfirst into all things creative output wise. And so in a way, I feel like it kind of just plucked me out of, you know, you, you got the bug and I, I just committed and went straight from there. Yeah, and it's your passion. And as you said, you were a little late to the game in a way because some people start at age two or even younger in some cases. Right. But the fact that you were able to recognize it and you were encouraged by your teacher to go down that path and now look at all the stuff you've done, and we're going to get into it during the conversation, but I'm fascinated by your acknowledgement that it wasn't an early bug. It was later on, but it was there. Yeah, yeah. And thank God I had really supportive parents. I mean, they, they weren't without their questions and their concerns, but they, I think they were struck by my assuredness. And I think also by my teacher advocating for me that she was like, no, he, he really has the passion and the, the talent to, to get there. You know, it's not a sure thing for anyone. No, not, not show business is never a sure thing. Not at all. But I feel like my, with the encouragement from my dad who instilled in me that and my mom, but really my dad through the sports, that, that pension for hard work and determination and uh, that it pays off in the end. Was that reinforced by your instructor or your teacher? In other words, the work ethic and discipline? Absolutely. She, she really was, it was very, I was very fortunate to, to get into her class and for her to be a teacher of high school students because she's now since gone on to get an MFA in direction. She directs all over the Los Angeles area. She was so you know, some, so many drama teachers are also the English teacher, but she was through and through the drama teacher and she really had a passion for it. And she instilled in all of us this, this work ethic, you know, she, she didn't take any BS and she really treated us like professionals. When we were working on a show, she, she ran the rehearsal like it was a professional show. So she must be delighted with your career choice and with all of the shows you've been in so far, which we'll talk about, but I would imagine yeah. you get feedback from her saying, this is great. She's seen me in every show I've done. She was there on my opening night of Broadway. She's been a very, very special person in my life. And that's rare. You don't always get that. You no, I know. You could have gone a whole other fortunate. way. 
So when you started performing, when was it that you realized you made it in the sense of, was there a particular show at first, or was it just that you were being accepted in that industry? You know, it feels like, it feels like I'm maybe, what's the word, begging for attention here, or, or I'm, I'm using this platform because it happens to be the show that's in Vegas, and I'm trying to get people to come. But really it was that I'm a... Uh, it was rock of ages in Las Vegas. I did a tour of American idiot and it was a great show. It was non-union meaning it was no actors in it were in the union and not to say that the show was bad. It was a, an incredible show and it was still directed by the Broadway company. So it was a non-equity production. Exactly. It was right. a non-equity production. And so there's this stigma of like, you know, you, you haven't really made it until you are a full working equity member, you know, actor. And so I did a cruise ship of rock of ages for six months. And that was part of the journey. And it was really exciting and fun. It was a really great summer job. And then two weeks after I got off the ship, I got the job. I got a call to come do the show in Vegas. So that was something that indicated to me, okay, I'm, I can play this role in a professional setting. I can be trusted to lead a show in, in a huge venue with really incredible actors. And when I got there, you know, the, the laundry list of actors in there and their, their credits, I was just so blown away by the kind of, the, the caliber of talent of people I got to work with and being up there and getting to do all the kind of the, the fun trappings that come with it, like, you know, press things, interviews and community performances. We got, I got to do a thing at some hospital. I got staying at some hospitals and some old folks homes and just giving back in that way, but being the guy who's promoting the show and being kind of a face of the show that made me feel like, okay, this is kind of big time and I can, I can handle these responsibilities. So that was really, it was, it was Vegas that gave me that, that window into, okay, this could really, this could really take off and, and be something that really continues and not just a fluke thing. Cause well, that's I great. feel like for actors, you know, we feel like what's the next thing, when's the next job, but this felt like, okay, I, I did something here. This is real. And your show is almost in a sense, a return home bed, meaning a metaphoric return home hmm. since you're based in Los Angeles, but you're coming back here to Las Vegas. And we're going to talk about your your show at The Space in a few minutes, but I just wanted to kind of round out so people get a sense of your journey. You not only were in Las Vegas, you were on Broadway, so that's quite, you're, you're the bi-coastal kind of guy, although Las Vegas is not part of the coast, but since you <laughs> you were raised in L.A., it is bi-coastal, so from that point Yeah, of view. exactly. So I, I've done shows in L.A., I've done shows, all of, like I said, I did a, the tour of American Idiot, I've done a tour of Wicked, I did the cruise ship. So a lot of the, my last nine years of my profession have been nomadic. And so in a way, you know, Vegas was a tremendous relief because I got to live in a house. I, got, I had a car. I was in one place for close to a year and it felt like I really made a home there. So yeah, it is a return to home for me. And then Vegas, I mean, um, New York, even though I was kind of, I, was, I would stay in New York a lot, I never felt like I was really living there because I was constantly working elsewhere. And so Town, which was my Broadway debut, really was the first time I like, was living and working and and living the full dream of New York. You know, I wasn't temping. I wasn't working at a restaurant. I was doing what I wanted to be doing in the city where it's the pinnacle of my profession. Sure, you were working the boards on Broadway. Right. What could be yeah. better than that, you know, in that sense? Nothing. So, yeah, Nothing. yeah. Incredible no, that's year. great. And when you started to put this show together, because we mentioned earlier, it's a retrospective over the last eight years of your career. And we're going to talk, in, after the break, we're going to talk in more depth about the show itself. 
when you decide to put that together, are you bifurcating your career at this moment? Meaning, because I also know you do voiceover work as well. I've done a bit. Yeah, yeah. I've been able to do a bit. It's definitely not a career yet, but I, it's, you know, this is, I guess we can get into this at another time too, but a lot of us are having to pivot and kind of explore alternate career paths while Broadway shut down. It's just Yeah, uh, exactly. I, and I was going to touch on that, especially with the fact that your show is going to be both in person at the space here in Las Vegas, but also streamed live for people all over the world. Right. And that's kind of the new approach that a lot of entertainers are taking. And it's fortunate when you're able to pull that off. Not all entertainers can do that. No. So that, that's the, I hope, the trick. I hope I can. Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I think I can. I think so, yeah. I think so. And, well, you have, let's, let's review before we take a break. So you're, you're going to be doing songs from Green Day's American Idiot, The Rock of Ages, of course, probably Wicked, Newsies, and Hadestown, all of those combined? That's right. I also have a song. I did a, a 90s musical that eventually went to Off-Broadway and did, did a national tour called Cruel Intentions. It's the movie of Cruel Intentions with a bunch of 90s music. And so I'm doing a song from there and also a song from Fun Home, which is a fun little anecdote. It was technically a Broadway show that I was a part of, but only for three weeks. But I tell that story uh, in the show. Well, when we get back, let's go into a little bit more detail because I'm curious how you're going to pull this off together with both, again, streaming and also in person. And just give us a little bit more. We'll do that when we get back. My guest is John Krause. He's going to be performing in Bit of Your Time it's a retrospective through the last eight years of his career at the Space in Las Vegas this Friday, January 29th at 6 p.m. And the show will also be streamed live, as we mentioned. For ticket information, go to thespacelv.com. John's new song, also called Bit of Your Time, should be available on Spotify by the show date. You can follow John on Instagram at John A. Krause. That's K-R-A-U-S-E. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. Come discover a world of possibilities, a world of wonder, a world carefully curated with interactive, hands-on experiences that put the unique needs of children to play, explore, belong, and learn right where they should be, and that's first. Discovery Children's Museum. Our kids first. For more information, please visit discoverykidslv.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with John Krause. He'll be performing in Bit of Your Time, a retrospective through the last eight years of his career at The Space here in Las Vegas this Friday, January 29th at 6 p.m. And the show will also be streamed live. For ticket information, go to thespacelv.com. John's new song, also called Bit of Your Time, should be available on Spotify by the show date. You can follow John on Instagram at John A. Krause. And John, when you decided to put this show together, was it necessity being the mother of invention in that COVID struck and now all performers everywhere have to figure out how are they going to do what they do? In other words, you can't normally be touring during COVID, but if you could do something where you're in a limited capacity in a live performance, but also stream it to the world, that may be the solution. Absolutely. I caught wind of what Mark was doing over there at the space. He reached out to me, Mark Chinook, the producer and, and owner of, of the Space LV. He said, you know, we're, we're doing these live stream concerts. And I think at the time they were only live streamed. I don't think there was availability for people to come in person. But now with 
different restrictions and uh, things kind of easing up in different parts of the country, they're allowed to have, I believe it's 40 in-person guests, which I'm excited about. It's a, it's live performance, not just even though it'll be streaming live, I'll get to have, you know, warm bodies in the audience, which is always, as for a performer, really uh, thrilling. Well, no doubt about so, it. You're going to get that response yeah. from the live in-person audience. And I think that also then gets reflected on your performance while it streams because you're getting that feedback from the people in the room. Exactly. I think the people at home will get a, a, a better experience than if it was just me alone on a stage. Right. So yeah, he, he reached out and I, don't, I, didn't, I, I toyed with the idea of a cabaret of some sort of story of my journey with the songs because I've been so fortunate to be in so many great shows with recognizable music. And it would be a disservice to myself to not be able to put some sort of show together. So this really was the necessity uh, being the mother of invention, forcing me to sit down and write this show and put together a set list. And I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. I think it's a great smattering of all the songs from all the shows. Well, at least the best songs, in my opinion, and some little, you know, tie-ins here and there. Some just, I think the way that it moves from song to song and from show to show is, I don't want to say seamless, but fairly. I think I'm really I think me and my music director, Nick Connell, so he's a piano player and he'll be accompanying me. It'll just be me on guitar and Nick on piano. And I think we found something that really works. And, and even for these 80s metal band songs that you, you really need a full band for, I think stripping them down to their essentials and just having these acoustic instruments really gives you a new appreciation for the songs as well. No doubt about it. You won't have to worry about any of the technical aspects, right? In other words, you're Nope. going to concentrate on your performance because streaming is always an interesting little situation. <laughs> I know. I've watched yeah. a lot of performers deal with some of the challenges of that, but I think Mark's got it worked out there. And, Absolutely. Uh, That's what I'm really fortunate for, uh, for everything that Mark's been able to figure out with that because I've done some Zoom concerts. I've done other live stream events. I did one this summer for a thing called Broadway Buskers for the Times Square Alliance in New York. And it was it was great, but there was it was rife with technical difficulties. And I've seen clips and shots from other from past shows at the space, and it just looks beautiful. The sound is amazing. The video quality is just superb. It's it's it, uh, I think a step above your your everyday streaming kind of service for music. And part of your show now will feature this new song, also called "Bit of Your Time." So was that yeah. was that written? Well, this is going to be an interesting juxtaposition, I guess. Did you write this song before the title of the show, or did you have the title of the show and then wrote the song? Wouldn't that be wild to give myself that, that task? <laughs> to, you know, I've got to write a song that works for this show. I, I mean, I've worked backwards before, but I feel like that would be definitely like uh, setting myself up for failure. I had actually written the song uh, during quarantine, and it was, it's about those, I think th uh, there's probably a spike in these events, like those little fights that you have with your partner that are really usually over nothing, but then you end up kind of like needing to take a minute and there's a bit of silence maybe, you know, and it's just the silence speaks volumes. So that was kind of where the, the feeling of the song comes from. And it's just like, I just need a bit of your time to like, we can get back on track. Let's just come on, let's come back together. We got this, babe. It's not a big deal. So that's, that's kind of the, the thought and the idea of where the song came. And I, I, it's one of the most, Yes, it's like a funny, it's not like a love song. It's not what you think would be an upbeat song, but it's a really fun song. I think it's something that everyone can relate to. And it's one of my favorite songs I've written as a songwriter. And so, I, you know, I've been kind of dancing around the idea of making an album, an EP. 
And I just thought, you know what? This is now the time. I have the show that's coming up. I, I want to put out this, this song in particular because I think it really is a good indicator of what the kind of music I want to make and who I want to be as a, as a musician. And so I'm actually today, I'm going back into the studio to finish the last little pieces of it. And then it's going to be mastered and will be put online everywhere you get music. Like you said, the week of the, um, of the concert, I believe the 27th is what we're aiming for. Okay, good. So it's even before the show. Now you, yeah. you mentioned you're, you're writing the song when you get into these little tiffs with your partner and that partner would be Molly McCook. That is, yes. And rumor has it, and I say that facetiously because clearly <laughs> it's known, that you tied the knot at the Santa Barbara Zoo. We sure did. And that's an interesting location. Yeah. A lot of, I can think of all kinds of places. How did you guys decide on the Santa Barbara Zoo? It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Uh, you know, we never thought we would... It's pretty ridiculous to get married at the zoo. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, we never thought we would really do that. We knew we wanted to get married outside. Um, we looked at a lot of outdoor venues. But we saw this actually by way of a different venue. It said like it was some other, it was a space by RingCon, RingCon events. And then on their website, they, it said zoo events. And I was like, can you get married at a zoo? <laughs> like, no <laughs> yeah. way, right? First, it, the first I've heard of it. Yeah, allegedly you can. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm living proof. And it really actually made sense when we actually saw the location and saw what we could get for our budget, which was remarkably still in our budget. And um, we, on my tour of Wicked, Molly, came, you know, I was out there for a year and a half. She was with me for a lot of it. She had to go back every now and then to film something. We did a lot of self-tape auditions on the road, which were always trying. And sometimes we got in little tips about that too. But she, we would go to every zoo in every city. That was the thing we did. That was something that we, I don't know if we set out intentionally for that to be a thing, but if there was a zoo, we were going to it. And it was just kind of a weird through line of our relationship on uh, particularly on tour with wicked and it was something so that we remembered fondly about every place oh remember that zoo oh that was i mean that was barely a zoo that was like three <laughs> dogs and a chicken you know what i mean like what is this place? right exactly but, you know, we, it, it was it's some it's a marker it's a, it and so to see, when we walked into that zoo and we pictured our wedding there it just felt right and it was i'm so glad it all worked out because it was just the most incredible day and it was end of 2019, so we really got in there under the wire. Do you think, and this is not me speculating, but do you think people might think the symbolism of getting married at a zoo where there are animals behind cages that once you get married, you become caged? <laughs> uh, I'm sure that was not... Um, Don't tell Molly I suggested this. This is coming from I, just, you know, the ether here. Oh, <laughs> you're pulling it from the ether. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, good one. Um, no, I... I you know, I think that's a, I, no one ever put it that way, but you're exactly right. From that moment forward, I was locked in, <laughs> um, but it's been great. I've been, it's been a wonderfully uh, caged animal experience <laughs> over here. <laughs> and then not to tie it all in, when you had your bachelor party, did you have it here in Las Vegas since you mentioned bachelor parties earlier? I know I, you should, I should have definitely tied it all in, but no, I was in New York when it was all, when we were planning the wedding and we, I was doing Town, So I actually took a, I took not even, not even a full week. I just took a weekend, a long weekend off. And we went to, uh, just up, we went to Woodstock actually. And we got a, me and my, my boys got a house in Woodstock and we went kayaking and, uh, nice. played football and had a pool and it was just great. That's great. Joe Cocker was yeah. there performing for you and 
Exactly, in yes. spirit, for sure. Yes, of course, in Way spirit, on. yes. Yeah. No, I, I, you're forgiven for not having it in Las Vegas because you were busy Thank working you. in New York. Come on, what are you going to do? Yeah. So that works out. <laughs> if, I, if I had to ask you to define, because you do so many different things, you're a songwriter, musician, actor, etc. Is there a word for somebody that does all that? Just, I don't know yeah, that they've I mean, invented it or not, but... No, I've heard people say multi-hyphenate, and I actually hate that. Yeah, I don't like that. I it's could like, see multi- I'm an actor, singer, dancer. Yeah, but, you know, and I'm not a dancer. I was just that was it. I was maybe multi, uh, multi, maybe multi-talented as opposed to multi-hybrid. Yeah, that I just, I just consider myself a creative, a creative. You can either just call me a creative or an artist because I, I just everything that I'm drawn to is output, is creative output in any form. If it's a voiceover, if it's a song, if it's a vocal performance, if it's an acting performance, if it's on stage, if it's on screen, I'm just into it. I'm just really enthralled by all different kinds of artists. I'm not a visual artist in the slightest. Like my sister actually went to Loyola Marymount and got her BFA in visual art. So she has a whole different side of her brain that she uses. Um, And I'm amazed by that. I can't, I can barely draw a stick figure, but anything that has to do with the performing arts, in any capacity, any way that I can use my body and my brain and my voice to create something and maybe tell a story or, you know, get people, get people thinking a different way, um, or at least get their mind off of everything that's going on. That's my goal. I just want to, I want to be a conduit of that. And so whatever you want to call it, an artist, a creative, that's, that's what I'm doing. But isn't the, isn't the challenge though, Sometimes people are very focused on one thing, and as a creative, they can be focused on one thing. They want to become a, an actor in, a, in, a, in the film industry, or they want yeah. to act on Broadway, or they want to record a record. Do you look at it for the future? Do you look at bifurcating yourself, and you're comfortable that way? In other words, whatever comes up, or I can do this, or I can do that, and I can express myself. Or do you have that challenge of, maybe I should focus in, in this one area, and then break through on that, and then I can do all these other things again? You know, Ira, that's a great question. It's something I was talking with with a few of my friends over New Year's, actually. We, um, a lot of us had to pivot, you know, as we've talked about, in the, especially in the Broadway industry. But, you know, the television industry has been impacted as well. So many fewer auditions and so many things kind of going to people who already have established careers. So it's kind of harder for the newcomers to get seen. So we're just like, what do we do? How do we, how do we keep going? And for me, when I've when I was trying to, you know, be an actor on Broadway, that's all that was. That's the only destination that I saw in my mind. And in, in a lot of ways, like you said, that was it to not be bifurcated, to have one solid visual goal. I could see, I, you know, I could see the finish line. It's me bowing on a Broadway stage. It's easy to visualize. But now I'm in this kind of nebulous place of how do I still stay creatively engaged? How do I turn this into a career that doesn't involve the stage you know, at this point, you know, how long is this going to be? Um, and for me, there's, it's not as visual. I don't really have that, like me bowing on a Broadway stage goal anymore because I've done it. So now I, I am in this place of shifting and I'm a bit bifurcated. Like I could go a few different directions, but I'm really, my actions and what I'm doing day to day has really been pushing me towards music. And that's why I'm really glad to have this opportunity to do a concert and to put that, put out this song just to be a bit of a calling card and be like this, see, this is the kind of stuff I want to make. If there's anyone out there who is vibing with this, let's make something together. And so I, I, if we were to 
to define it in one way, I am going towards more of a musical output place from me personally, as opposed to being someone else's conduit of their, you know, their musical music in a different show or anything. I'm kind of putting the focus back directly on me and seeing what I can give. Well, that's an honest answer and a great way to end it. My guest has been John Krause. He'll be performing in Bit of Your Time, a retrospective, through the last eight years of his career at The Space in Las Vegas this Friday, January 29th at 6 p.m. And the show will also be streamed live. For ticket information, go to thespacelv.com. And John's new song, also called Bit of Your Time, should be available on Spotify by show date. In fact, a few days before. You can follow John on Instagram at John A. Krause, K-R-A-U-S-E. And John, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, Ira. I had a great time. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.